Hey ladies and gents and welcome back to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Not as always, I'm only joined by Jordan this episode. How's it going Jordan? Womp womp, I'm all alone. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately Dom couldn't join, this, uh, join us this week. He'll be back next week. Uh, so we got the, the fireside groove as Jordan calls it going on this yes, week. Yes indeed. Um, yeah, so let's get into what we've been playing. Uh, for me, uh, I actually, and this wasn't anything I talked about last week, I got super back into Fallout 4. Um, mm. I was playing it quite a bit. Um, I'm I'm about ninety percent through the game. I haven't finished the main quest line yet, but I'm almost done. Uh, I've just been going around doing open world stuff. Uh, I was watching a bobblehead uh, guide video to get all the bobbleheads. Um, so I was just going through. That. I I got like I think six or seven, maybe five on my own, just playing like normally. And then I was like, yeah, I'll go get them all because there's an easy achievement type. Oh, there's two actually. One for getting 10 and then one for getting 20. So I've just been playing that. Um, it's fun. I like Fallout. Um, I like it for the reason of it is more Fallout 3. Though I didn't – I only played about the first 30 to 40 minutes of Fallout 3. Because I didn't get it at release, I got it very late down the line, like at a like a used game kind of thing. And then yeah. stuff came out and I never got back to playing it. Um, but then I played New Vegas front to back, loved New Vegas. And then uh, Fallout 4 I obviously loved um, yeah, so I've just been playing that really, haven't really watched anything, uh, reading some more Invincible, Jordan turned me on to that comic a while back, and I absolutely love it, it's awesome. Um, Where are you at? What issue are you on? I'm on 23. Okay. So I've only read two since last week, but I, I always try to make it, uh, like, whenever I go to bed, I at least read one before, I didn't really do that this week, but it's kind of my goal most of the time. Um, I, it's a good comic though, it's, it's very refreshing, even though those comics are like 12 years old in, by now, the ones I'm on. <laughs> Yeah, the one I was, there's several, um, you're probably going to catch up to me at some point because I'm on like, you know, 54 or something. Yeah. Not too much further ahead because I've been, the reason I picked up Invincible was because I was reading Walking Dead and then I wanted uh, to kind of push that, stretch Walking Dead out longer to get it to kind of back up to season seven premiere. Um, and so I've been going back and forth, but uh, yeah, something I noticed like, the ones that I'm reading are still, I think, before 2010, and um, they're still saying things like, oh, that's so gay, or like, "Yeah, you look like a retard, and I'm like, damn, like, this is major cultural change right here, I guess. Yeah, I, I totally I totally forgive us. Oh, in the first issue, when he carries, spoilers, when he carries his best friend, because uh, his friend learns he can fly, he's like, this is so gay, you know, like that totally wouldn't fly nowadays. And I kind of forgive it for the time period. Um, and I just brushed it off, but that comic is so great. If you have a chance to read it, Jordan told me this and it's completely true. If you're not sold by, by, I think it's issue seven or 10. Um, some big stuff happens. If you're not sold by then you won't like it. I read up to that point and I absolutely love it. So, uh, yeah, just follow up for invincible. That's pretty much it. Obviously some overwatch here and there, but I just don't like to repeat myself so much with all that stuff. So, um, yeah, what about you? What have you been playing? Um, I have been playing uh, Persona 3. I hopped on that and watched uh, PS I Love You the other day. Nice. Um, yeah, and I was enjoying it. Um, at this point, like, I know I've kind of mentioned this before, but it is a PS2 game that's like a 100-hour RPG for its main quest line. So um, you can just, you know see the cracks in the pavement essentially by 70 hours in where it's like okay yeah you're just you know essentially doing the same type of things maybe not the exact same way every time but you're definitely kind of repeating a lot of stuff 
Yeah. Um, otherwise, it just wouldn't be that long of a game because it's not, you know, Witcher or something like that with a big open world with all these side quests that you could do. So um, it's definitely repetitive. And I think that, you know, I don't know what the length of Persona 5 is going to be, but I think if Atlas was smart, they would probably change that a bit. Yeah. Because this was, you know, Persona 3 and 4 were back in the days of the PS2 before we really had so many open world games. And people really wanted that long media experience out of a JRPG. And um, even if it was just like reading text, you know, um, and obviously Persona 3 is is further than that along the line. But I think, um, yeah, they just um, definitely some artificial padding because most games, I would say, have that um, in this day and age. But um, either way, it's still it's still an awesome game and I, I do still love it. So. I have a question for you with it. So the, I've never really played the Persona games. I've seen gameplay and right. I've seen extensive stuff. So to me, it seems like those games are very character-driven. Like you you sure. learn about these characters and you fall in love with them. And I think the, the reason those games are so long is because they expect you to stay in love with those characters and the other is filler. But they expect your love for these characters and wanting to know more and experience more to kind of carry you through that. And you think that maybe... It, it should be shorter in that sense then because you want to have the time with these characters mean something as opposed to it going on and on and on and on, you know, where you kind of like, um, yeah, get, get tired of these characters or get tired of these, 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 uh, experiences. I will say that's the one part of it that I'm not tired of. Um, because of the fact that you are these high schoolers that don't know each other. Most of them don't know each other at the beginning of the year. And then you're actually like going through their school year, experiencing the different seasons and, and getting all that. Um, so you get a lot of their life. It's not just like they took a month and made it extend over a uh, hundred hours. Yeah. You know, so, um, also a big part of the persona games, at least since persona three, cause that's a good note to make that, uh, the first two persona games were way different. And then three, four, and now five are going to be kind of more their own trilogy kind of like how fallout is yeah how like before fallout 3 fallout 1 and 2 were just very different games so um but a big part of uh since so uh yeah big part since persona 3 is social links and i'm sure you've heard about that it's basically just where you build up social links between you like relationships um, and stuff yeah yeah like there's dogs there's you know adults there's fellow students and so that really does help to uh keep you from getting bored with those characters because the social links are actually pretty deep there's a lot of like really cool information that you learn about people and then their social link itself is linked to their personality and it it corresponds and makes sense um so there's i would say uh those characters are a deep enough well for me to want to go back constantly you know a hundred hours over i would say Awesome. Uh, sorry to go too far on tangent. What else have you been playing besides? Persona yeah, I 3? guess we just really went down the Persona <laughs> rabbit hole. But uh, um, yeah, I've also been reading a bunch of comics. I was reading a lot of Star Wars yesterday. Um, read uh, Poe Dameron issue three, which is awesome. If uh, you want to hop on that, it's obviously not very far down the line, and I think it's only five issue miniseries, anyways. Um, but I felt like Poe Dameron definitely didn't get his time in uh episode seven force awakens and so it's cool to see him in his own um you know solo comic leading his black squadron uh x-wing fighters um because he's a really cool character and he's a really good pilot like 
there's some scenes in the movie where he's really, really like showing his skills as a pilot, but I, I still don't think they highlighted it enough in the movie. So, um, enjoying that. Um, and then been reading some more Witcher, um, working my way through that series. I am on technically the fourth book total in that series out of like seven, I think. So yeah, uh, mostly just been doing a lot of reading and, uh, so I think I'll be, obviously we'll talk about this at the end of the show, but I haven't played Witcher just because I decided to wait once I figured out that they were going to update the game with uh, help for my no locking on situation in combat. So I have been itching to play that, but I was like, you know what, just wait a couple more days until that patch comes out and it is out now. So we're good. Awesome. Um, so let's hop into the news here. Since it's a two man podcast, I gathered up as much news as I could since we're going to have two topics. Um, so I have quite a bevy of news, um, so bear with me. Um, some really interesting stuff, though. So the first thing I want to talk about is a GameSpot article. Um, it's by Rob Crossley. Uh, like always, the links for all the stories are going to be in the description down below. Um, the title of this is Mass Effect Andromeda's Dev on Studio Tensions, Female Leads, and the Scars from Three's Ending. Um, so let me find here the, the point I want to actually talk about. Give me one second. Vamp, vamp, it's vamp. interesting that that... Uh the scars from three three's ending part is in the title there because obviously that's something that the developer is going to talk about in this article but just the fact that that's still on people's mind at bioware montreal specifically where they're like yeah a lot of people may have forgotten about that or don't care about that especially since this is a whole new entry in the series but um I'm glad to see that it's still on their minds because it was their game to end how they saw fit, but it would be nice if they were like, yeah, we could have done that better and we want to be better for you in the future. Yeah. So uh, this interview is actually with Aaron Flynn, uh, the Bioware general manager. So um, GameSpot asks, uh, I was surprised to see that the Mass Effect Andromeda trailer didn't show any extended gameplay. Do you wish you could have showed more? So this was crazy when I read this because this is essentially what we've talked about, right? Um... So uh, the general manager basically states, uh, well, every time we do one of these things, we make a bunch of choices about how we're going to fit all of this in. So we definitely made a choice to show more of the characters. A lot of what we did here was meant to complement the previous trailer as well. This is a lot of skating around. This probably had to do something with EA telling them not to show much. They're trying to answer this as best as they could. Um, EA has this amazing line of game releases coming up. We come later, so we have more time to show great gameplay. But the good I'm news... sorry, wait, what, what amazing game releases coming up? Titanfall and Battlefield? Is that it? Yeah. Um, oh, that's not an amazing line, friend. Obviously, this is them, you know, it's EA. Yeah, they're on my PR talk, yeah. 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 Um, but this in- next part is actually pretty interesting. Uh, so we come later, so we have more time to show great gameplay. But the good news is that everything we showed in that trailer is right from the game, which is true. Uh, uh, so none of that is made by CG or anything like that. You know this is a Mass Effect game, so that kind of squad combat that you love, that third-person cover combat that you love, that moment-to-moment gameplay is all in there. So they did show all that stuff is probably in game because uh, if you played Mass Effect Two or Mass Effect Three, someone in Mass Effect One it wasn't done as well. A lot of those scenes and stuff like that, the story elements are, are done in engine, obviously in it, during the game. I like how they say that, and that's fine if that was game if that was in the game. But then they say, you know, the squad combat that you love, the third person cover combat that you love, and they didn't show any of that. They didn't show any of the actual combat. You know, right? They showed right. story elements. Um, whether they're in the game or not, a lot of people actually want to see the, the combat of the game. Um, so the next thing uh, here is how big of a challenge has this project been? Uh, Flynn replies, oh, it's been a really big challenge. When the Mass Effect trilogy story ended, we had a lot of choices to make about how we would 
uh, do another game. Uh, luckily, we had a lot of support from fans, a lot of folks who worked on the original trilogy. They've gone on to start a new IP at Bioware that they're still working on. So we had to train oh. up a new group of leads to build this project. That was a task in and of itself. Uh, but now we have a new generation of developers who are trying to bring their vision of Mass Effect to life. So this is a wow. big thing. We were talking about the new IP and why this game is taking longer than it, it should. Wow, that's huge right there. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. Is uh, By no means still, I'm not concerned that this is going to be a bad game, but at least this gives us a sense of, yeah, this is probably why this game's taking a while. They had to train up new people. These aren't people that have worked yeah. on two games already and kind of yeah. have the feel for it, you know? Um, it sounds like their B team on at Bioware Montreal, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, Bioware has a lot of teams, but... As far as within just Montreal itself, it does sound like their B team. Also, though, this might be a good thing. A lot of times you hear about these developers working on the same thing, like Gorilla, for instance, with Killzone. Like these developers working on something over and over again when they have a chance um, to work on something new, like Gorilla did with Horizon. It could possibly be something awesome, that new IP. And uh, I, I think this is maybe for the best. A lot of those guys maybe got tired of working on Mass Effect. Maybe the whole thing with the, the threes ending is they're like, well we don't want to work on that anymore. People are going to like, you know, be that like, I think this is, I think this is a smart move by Bioware just because it, it allows developers that basically maybe got tired of mass effect or stuff like that to work on something brand new, refreshing. And then it allows these other guys to build up a new, a new skill set, like work on this franchise. You're working on mass effect, you know? Um, so I think that's cool. Um, also this, <laughs> that, that point right there though, about, uh, you know, the A team is essentially on the new IP. It's like, damn, dude, when the hell are we going to get another Dragon Age? Like, 2014 was Dragon Age Inquisition. I think that's an awesome game, and I love it. But uh, Dragon Age 4, like, 2019 at the earliest? At I'm... the earliest, man, because 2017 is going to be hopefully Andromeda, and then what are they going to release, you know, a game two years in a row? Yeah, and I also think this might have to do with the whole Fallout 3, Fallout 4 situation of, like, maybe they want to they wanna produce something that's so drastically different from Inquisition that it feels like a reason to make a new Dragon Age, you know, and not just spilling out another one. Um, and I do think we've talked about this before, of them having a three-game cycle or three-IP cycle as opposed to two. Um, it definitely allows Mass Effect to breathe and have a really great game. It allows Dragon Age to breathe and whatever this new IP is, so it definitely gives them breathing room of them having to hit these expectations over and over again. Um, so the next thing here is, uh, so this may not surprise you, but I've heard stories of a lot of tensions at the studio. I've heard about people leaving, Casey Hudson, I'm assuming is who he's referencing. Uh, do you feel that's an accurate portrayal of the studio right now? And Flynn uh, replies with, uh, er, passion, yes, tensions, yes. There are a lot of tense moments for sure. Anytime you're trying to do something big and ambitious, you're going to have tensions and second thoughts. I think trailers like this show that. Uh, for whatever doubts or developers might have in their minds about getting this done, it's going to get done and it's going to be amazing. So he's basically saying, you know, when you try to create something as big and ambitious as this, there's going to be tensions. There's people pulling things a matter of ways, people wanting to do it their way. Um, this is Bioware. They're owned by EA. This is one of EA's go-tos. So you definitely know EA has a hand in this of asking them, is, is, you know, you need to deliver. We need this to be a hit, you know. So there's a lot of things going on there. Um, lastly, this is something that is very interesting and uh, this may be more relevant before the delay happened. Not so much now, I don't think. But it's. Uh, I also heard that some gameplay features are now being stripped out to meet the release date. Uh, and Flynn said, "I haven't heard. Uh, I haven't heard any of that. We've had a couple of modest changes, but nothing radical. All of the emphasis to move forward uh, towards the freeform exploration. All that's still in there and very grounded in mechanics. So, um, what release date are they trying to hit? Exactly. Like, I think that question was. It. Yeah, I, th I think that question was kind of weird, personally. Um, yeah. So I this, hope they don't." strip out the jetpack because that 
I mean, in my opinion, we saw even more gameplay in that tiny leak from last year than we did at E3 this year. So um, in that leak, they had a guy using a jetpack to traverse the environment, and it'd be really cool if that was in there for the um, final game. In the in the part where that big old gorilla alien thing is running at your your protagonist in the uh, the one that we saw this year, he did have a jetpack on his back. He did? Yeah, he did have a jetpack. Okay. So okay. I'm, I don't know if that will be in the final version, but he did have a jetpack. I, I clearly remember that. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, this is uh, So the next question is, this is clearly a huge, uh, ambitious game. This is the last one we're going to talk about before we move on to the next story. Attempting many uh, new things at the same time, how confident are you that you'll be able to hit that early 2017 deadline? Flynn replies, I'm pretty confident. We're lucky to have an amazing publisher in EA, yada, 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 who wants us to make the best Mass Effect game we can possibly do. There's always questions uh, and getting advice. Now that we're using Frostbite, there's a lot of developers such as Dyson Visceral who have a lot of experience with the engine. Uh, so as a community of developers, I think EA has never been stronger. So I'm assuming by that he's basically saying we're getting help to finish this. That's what it sounds like that, he's saying. That response sounds a lot like what Neil Druckmann told Greg Miller at PSX last year saying that they were going to hit their March 18th. 2016 release date of yeah of course they delayed i think two more times after that so yeah that's pretty confident means yeah no nothing at all to me yeah you never know uh he said i recognize that there's a lot of ambition with this game and people are nervous about it for sure the toughest thing for us to hear is that fans are nervous which is rather sobering so we're eager to calm those concerns a lot of fans hold the studio to a really high standard and the game will mark the final say on that so I actually really like what he said at the end of that. He didn't say the fans hold us to a really high standard, which the game will meet. He's saying the, the fans hold us to a really high standard and the game will mark the final say on that. So he's basically saying when you know gamers get this, they'll determine if we lived up to their standards or not, which I thought was right. um, a pretty real thing to say. And he could easily said they hold us to a high standard, so why wouldn't they expect this to be a great game? But he said the game will mark the final say on that. So... That was a pretty True. interesting way to say that. Um, the rest of it's just talking about, you know, them talking about the new character. Uh, its name is Ryder, the new female uh, that they showed, and that if that's the default character. Actually, I want to talk about that real quick, really quick. So he asked, I was wondering if there, uh, we're we're about to need the phrase menship. And he said, uh, yeah, it's actually funny because we have both, ma both main characters ready to view and we're talking about this. Uh, and we thought actually with the first trilogy we had a male as a default. Uh, there's a tricky balancing act here. Um, but there was something else. I don't exactly remember where it's at, but he was basically talking about like there might be two main characters, not necessarily just one. Um, the, his wording was really weird. It wasn't you pick a female or a male character. It's like we have two main characters. Kind of like Dishonored too. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really interesting his wordage there. But it's a pretty cool interview. If you want to read the rest of it, there's tons more. It's on Gamespot. Definitely check it out. The link will be in the description as always. A uh, really interesting story. A real quick here here that we want to go over, also including EA. Um, this comes by way of Andy Chalk over at PC Gamer. Uh, Timefall 2's DLC maps will be free. So all of the maps are going to be free. Uh, Vince Ampella, the co-founder of Respawn, basically said they don't want to split the community between maps because he thinks that really hurts uh, multiplayer gaming, especially for a game that's so heavily involved in multiplayer like Titanfall. Um, and he says that, uh, you know, we need to make money. We're a business. So the way we're probably going to do, uh, the way we're going to do paid DLC is through cosmetic items and boosts, uh, i.e. the card system. Um, so I think this is smart. Excuse me. The, it's it's going to be hard to uh, sell a quote-unquote season pass alongside Battlefield 1 releasing the same week. So you figure those DLCs would hit around the same time. Um, I think this is super smart. I think this is... Uh, this will definitely be a verdict in a lot of people who are on the fence of buying Titanfall 2 or Battlefield 1. 
I don't think this will win over people who already made their mind up to get Battlefield 1, but people are on the fence. They're like, well, I'm getting free DLC with Titanfall 2, which means that there's a lot more replayability there that I don't have to pay for. I'm getting more of my $60 at launch. Um, so I really think that's cool. I think it's a smart move. I think it's a really smart move, especially with uh, a lot of people felt jaded with that Battlefront DLC. So oh, yeah. I think... Yeah, I think... Go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. I have nothing important. Um, I just feel like Titanfall really does need a few, um, you know, uh, they need to get the audience back on their side, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And they need um, people to kind of flock to them because Titanfall 2, Titanfall at this point is not a major franchise in video games, I would say. No. And so... Um, they need that goodwill. They need kind of like what CD Projekt Red had last year with The Witcher, where, yeah, we're going to give you 16 pieces of DLC for free, and then if you want the expansion passes, you can pl- pay for those. Um, and I think that, that like the amount of goodwill that CD Projekt Red has, even right now, over a year later, is very, very high. And I think that we should see this more often. I think the more you see studios giving gamers substantial um, maybe pieces of DLC, maybe it's just um, patching, like the way that CD Projekt Red has patched The Witcher is honestly amazing. For Blood and Wine, they did a complete overhaul of the entire UI, so I was like, damn, dude, like you guys know what's up when it, it comes to taking care of your gamers, your customers, and I think that there would be a lot of studios that could benefit from treating their audience that way and and hopefully it'll work out for respawn yeah the the biggest issue with like call of duty or battlefield is like when you go into those multiplayer games and your friend maybe has the expendable income or the interest to buy the new map pack and you don't you're forced to play these these baseline playlists where there's either not enough people or just the the spirit of competition isn't there and it it ruins your friend's experience and your experience you know and yeah if the biggest if thing you're is you're a COD guy, like you gotta get those DLC maps essentially. Yeah, and it's I think it's the worst thing to separate your community with maps. Like I think maps are a baseline thing that should be free. Like you're giving you're basically adding longevity to your game, you know? Um so I obviously know why you would you would you would uh, charge it, obviously, but I think this is a really smart move for Titanfall. They're not Call of Duty, they're not Battlefield. This is a very smart way to win over gamers. Um I think it's a very smart move. Um the real estate, not so much. Uh, so the next story we want to talk about, uh, first part, I'm going to talk about the Square Enix sale specifically, and then Jordan can go over the flash sale that's currently happening as of recording this. But, uh, yeah, so there's a huge Square Enix sale on the PlayStation Store, a lot of really good deals. Uh, I'm going to name a lot of these games real quick, and all of them are five bucks, the ones that I mentioned. So you have Chrono Trigger, you have Final Fantasy Seven. Uh, sorry, Final Fantasy Eight, Final Fantasy Six, Final Fantasy Tactic, Tactics, Chrono Cross, um... Front Mission 3, uh, Final Fantasy 5. Basically, if you want any Final Fantasy game, minus like 7, I don't think 7 is the only one that's not on here. And Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, they're all like 5 bucks. This is an insane sale. Um, if I had a PlayStation, I'd buy Chrono Trigger. It's a game that I need to get to, I need to play, but I don't have one. So, unfortunately, I can't do that. Um, yeah, but I think this is a cool sale. This is like, this is a smart thing for Square Enix. Of like, here, here's all the Final Fantasy stuff, you know. Um, it's crazy, dude. They actually do this almost exact same sale, like pretty much every few months. Oh, I was not because I didn't know that. the th- yeah, the things that you're naming off, I bought a few months ago uh, for these same prices. That's awesome. 
Um, yeah, really so, smart. And a lot of things, you know, I'm I know actually for a fact that it's this way on Xbox, but uh, definitely this way on on PlayStation. If you just kind of watch stuff that goes on sale, and maybe it's like, yeah, I definitely don't want to buy that game for thirty, but you know, for sale on twelve bucks, like that's not too bad. I'll pick that up. If you kind of watch those games, there's a lot of games that kind of get recycled through the store yep. in these sales. And, like, yeah, every few months. For example, I just picked up uh, Game of the Year edition of Shadow of Mordor. I had already finished that game on PC, but I hadn't played the DLC. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, you know, pay more than $20 for this game that I've already beat just to get the DLC to play. And so I just kind of waited my time out. And, you know, it took maybe eight or ten months, but I wasn't really wanting to play the game that much since i beat it and yeah popped right back up and it was under 20 bucks so i was like there you go yeah uh did you want to mention the flash sale at all anything going on with that? Sure. Anything, any good deals yeah i'll just go through some highlights most of the highlights i would say are telltale games um so we've got tales from the borderlands we've got walking dead michonne walking dead season two game of thrones um there's plenty of ps3 stuff that's another thing like if you do have a PS3, uh, just kind of sitting around, but you still like playing it every now and then, these flash sales and and you know Square Enix sales or whatever are great, just because uh, they will just make these PS3 games dog cheap. Yeah. Um, and then of course, screw me because I bought Child of Light in a PlayStation sale last week, and then this week, of course, we have Child of Light Ultimate Edition for just about a dollar more than I bought it last week. Oh, so, <laughs> if you're looking for Child of Light with all the DLC, you got that. Um, Wolf Among Us is on here. Um, Stein's Gate, which that is uh, a Japanese game that is based off of Stein's Gate, an anime series. Um, worth checking out. I've heard plenty of good things about that. And then another awesome Japanese game, Zero Escape, Virtue's Last Reward, which is, uh, I think... A sequel to 999, so you'd have to play 999 on a DS. But this game, and then uh, Zero Escape Virtue's Last Reward is the second game. And then the third one just came out for Vita. I think it's called Zero Time Dilemma. Um, so if I had a few bucks cash, I would probably buy that because I need to catch up on that series. Um, and then Mad Max is only $16 on PS4, which that is a solid game. Not anything that's going to change your entire world but you know if you got an extra 16 sitting around it's not a bad idea anything anything and, else yeah that's about it i mean there's there's plenty of other stuff yeah those are the mostly just kind of random crap okay um the next couple of things are just quick hits that we want to talk about uh so uh yacht club games they announced that they're going to be releasing another free dlc for um, Shovel Knight, the first one was Plague Knight. A lot of people loved it. You got to play through the game again as that knight. I uh, use his mechanics and stuff like that. The next one is Spectre Knight. Um, this is awesome. I think it's cool that they're having another free piece of DLC. When they finished this and when they worked on this, we don't know. I hope this has been in, in, in stewing for a while and they're just waiting to release it. Um, because I really hope that they've full hunkered down on Shovel Knight 2. If that's not the case and they've been working on this, it kind of sucks personally because I really want a follow-up. Uh, Shovel Knight was has been one of my favorite games. It's definitely in my personal top five. I think it mixes a lot wow. of things that people people love of classic games, and it brings it to a more modern sensibility. Um, it takes from a lot of classic games, but I think this is a very good introductory point for people who want to get into 2D platformers but don't want to get into old games, you know? 
Um, there's a whole argument there whether or not you should or should not get into old games. I think it's pretty valid either way. Um, there's arguments on both sides. But, yeah, I think this takes a lot of, you know, modern approaches to classic games and what people loved and it does them right. So I really love Shovel Knight. I'm glad that there's new DLC, but I really want to see a follow-up. Uh, yeah. I think this – there's something fishy going on here because this is a two-year-old game. Is that right? Like, it came out spring yeah. 2014. Yeah. And, yeah, like you're saying, you, you're wanting them to do a follow-up. Um, and, of course, if you guys listen to our E3 coverage, then you'll know that I really love digging down deep into the history of studios and publishers because it helps us predict what they'll do in the future. So, um, speaking of, I think that this coming out right now is a very is very telling to me. First of all, they have a very small team over there at Yacht Club. They're not... Um, anything big and so for them to be uh, working on this DLC yeah maybe it's just a part of the team but a part of the team is still you know a pretty big chunk of who Yacht Club is so my thought is that this is like hey remember Shovel Knight that game that you love so much from two years ago that's been you know releasing on different platforms over the past couple years well here's another piece of DLC to that you know enjoy that and then maybe a month three months down the road they're like yep and Shovel, Shovel Knight 2 is on the way and it'll be out you know this fall or whatever yeah I think this um, is like a don't forget us kind of tactic I'm, I'm pretty definitely with you on that. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, yeah them kind of just sticking their hand back up and going remember me buddy aren't we such great shovel friends yeah yeah um, yeah, so there's that. It's cool that it's free. Um, also, once again, good graces of gamers. People love free content, so that's awesome. Um, they could have easily charge the people to bought this. They could have charged five, ten bucks to people to still bought this. You know, that's crazy. That that's a another point to make as far as um, them trying to be remembered and remembered fondly for yeah, giving it away free. Like obviously, they could have had people pay for it, but I think them giving it away for free also tells us that. They're just trying to stay in in people's minds and stay on the front of, um, on the top of people's list. Like you just said, Shovel Knight's one of your top five games, and they want to you know remind fans that like, dude, you love this game, and we're gonna give you DLC for free, so you better get ready for hopefully. This- yeah, and they're like, well, you 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 know, we give you free DLC for the first one. Expect that, you know, take a chance on Shovel Knight two if you didn't play Shovel Knight one. Though I doubt they'll call it Shovel Knight two. I think it'll be Shovel Knight something you know semicolon something um uh that could be that could be true too um that could definitely be uh the case um i just don't think i don't think it'll be shovel knight 2 <laughs> i don't think they'll do shovel knight 2 um so the next story here it comes from way of neogaf uh loud ninja uh he basically posted uh some tidbits that we learned from an interview over at uh youtube.com slash the know which is rooster teats um uh, video game news channel um, and some some tidbits here. It was an interview with Corey Barlog. Did I say his last name there right? There you go. You uh, did it. Earlier I called him Balrog like he's a Lord of the Rings villain. Um, <laughs> and it, they interviewed him and a couple other people and some of the tidbits here are you'll visit uh, all of the nine realms. If you're familiar with Norse mythology, there's nine um, worlds or realms as you want to call them and they all have their, their indicative of their own things which is cool you'll be able to visit all of them I believe the, f- the first part in the trailer was Asgard it looked like Asgard or at least part of it dude um, this is one of my favorite parts of this whole like spiel that you're doing here I was actually thinking about this last night I was watching podcast beyond shout out beyond um, and they were of course talking about God of War 3 the or not God of War 3 but the E3 demo 
and you know talked about Norse mythology so I opened a new tab on YouTube and just started watching videos about Norse mythology and I was like dude they have to take you through each realm in this new God of War because that would be the coolest like you yeah. could see all the different like they're very different if you research them they're very um, you know there's one with giants there's one that's an ice uh, realm there's one that's like you know spring flowers and meadows so um, plenty of diverse areas which would be very very cool for this yeah also there was some uh, this isn't in this exact mention I'll finish the list here but uh, people were actually going through and seeing in the trailer there was uh, there was hidden things in the in the e3 yes. demo there was like the hidden specter like ghost thing in in the in the trees there was like the flying hornet bug soldier dude that flew above right. there was a giant wolf at the camp that ran away there was the thing that was bigger than the troll that he fought that was tied up over the fire there was um, I, I haven't seen like I've heard I've seen a couple little things about people talking about oh we think maybe this is a god flying through the sky or whatever but I need to break that down a little harder it seems like there's a lot of stuff in yeah there. in the cabin uh, Mer you see mercury's boots which is really weird i don't know how they're going to tie mm. that in because uh, it seems like at the end of three from what i've heard he got rid of all the stuff um and then uh one of the coolest things is at the end when they're sitting there with the deer on the bottom if you it, at first glance you think it's a river flowing it's not it's white scales it's the world serpent Huh. Yeah, it's not a river because it's there's no there's no coastline to to the trees. It's a snake. It's the world. People are assuming the world serpent because it's a giant snake, and that would be cool. Um, but yeah, back to these tidbits we learned. Went way too much on a tangent. Uh, he <laughs> said there will be uh, fifteen to twenty to one hundred enemies on screen. So the really big thing there is there will be up to one hundred enemies on screen at the same time. Uh, it's very God of War, so I don't think we're losing that, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, he also, uh, Corey stated that he brought back most of the original team that worked on God of War 1, which is awesome. People are familiar with the franchise. Um, I'm, I'm assuming he said most because I guarantee he brought in people who are more familiar with narrative-driven open-world stuff, you know, um, more of, like, the uh, character-driven stuff, the way they're shifting. You definitely don't yeah, want everybody I mean, from God of War because then, yeah. Right. So, Sony Santa Monica is a pretty big studio, and they are two teams at this point, but I'm thinking what happened is a lot of people got folded in from the uh, Stieg Asmussen uh, sci-fi RPG that got canceled. Yeah. So that's exactly what you're talking about, the more story-driven narrative stuff. Um, the next thing is we learned there's no morality system in the game and that there's no branching in the story. So um, take that as you will. Um, the mother is a critical part of the story. We kind of already anticipated that from the demo considering how much she's talked about. And the whole rumor yeah. of uh, the kid being older. Obviously, if uh, the mother is a critical part, because if that's his mother and she's with Thor, and then obviously Kratos has to fight Thor, so um, no surprise, she's a critical part. And um, he confirmed that the first enemies we see uh, in the demo are Draugr, which if you've played Skyrim or anything, they're essentially Norse zombies. It's the easiest way to describe them. Um, a lot, there's a lot more detail to that, obviously, but that's the easiest way, baseline, to describe to somebody what the Draugr are. Um, yeah, I think there are a lot of cool tidbits. Nothing crazy. Uh, I think the biggest announcement is the Nine Realms thing. It's it's kind of, kind of something you'd never really mm -hmm. thought about. If you know about Norse mythology, you know that there's those Nine Realms, but you didn't think of like, oh yeah, we'll go through each of those. And it's really cool for that to be confirmed. Uh, he says you may visit. I think it's a guarantee at this point. Um, like even just going through the, the giant realm would be cool. Such a change of, of uh, environment and stuff like that. So Yeah. Um, you mentioned the... Uh like the lack of a morality system or anything like that. I think that, and also Corey Barlog has 
he mentioned in a behind closed doors demo that the areas that you'll be exploring are a little bit bigger than like rise of the tomb raider yeah and it seems to me they're very much going with the tomb raider uh format as opposed to the uncharted format here so instead of it just being a like uncharted is essentially a hallway that you're running down like you're the environments and especially in four were much bigger but they're certainly guiding you down a path that they want you to go down, and, and they're keeping you on a path, I would say. Yeah. Um, with this and Tomb Raider, it seems like you're really just kind of in, as opposed to an open world, you're in a sandbox that they give you, and then you're free, free to roam. There's, uh, you know, uh, discoveries that you can make as far as locations and different landmarks, um, and then... Uh, you can even do stuff with the kid. There's like a button dedicated to the kid. So it seems like it's going to be like that half open world sandbox format. The way I like to call I like to call it personally, and this is probably not like correct, but I like to call it like a mini open world. Um, I think that's yeah. the way, in my mind, how it gestates the best is like, it's not this huge map that you can do whatever you want. There are these smaller areas. You can still go about it however way you want, but there's not a huge place. Um, so I like to call it mini open world. Um, this yeah. game looks cool um, from what we've seen. Um, I, I think the little tidbits of – that's a definitely a great way to do E3 is have these little things that people find afterwards because you still want people to continue Ooh. to talk about it, you know. That is cool, man. All like, I mean, you just named off a real, like 10 really cool secrets that I, I'm going to go on YouTube as soon as we get done here and start looking that stuff up. Um, you know, I mentioned I think on the show last week that um, – it sounds like just from tidbits that I hear that Norse mythology is like 10 times cooler than Roman or Greek mythology. And so a lot of the stuff that we've been, you know, getting out of this trailer and the, uh, the stuff that mostly Corey Barlog has been talking about just seems like, yes, they're totally nailing this. Um, obviously, uh, God of War, the original games weren't necessarily, obviously they weren't historically accurate, but also they weren't really trying to teach you a history lesson as much as they were just saying, like, look, all this cool shit, this cool mythical universe over here in Greek mythology, why don't you run around and explore it and try to tear up and wreak havoc? And I think that that's what they're doing here with North Myth Norse mythology. And so, yeah, obviously we're not going to, like, be reading a textbook and then feel like we've um, further ourselves, furthered ourselves academically at the end of this game. But I think that history has been a big part of these games mythology obviously has been a big part and the way that they're doing the Norse mythology that we've been talking about them hopefully doing for so long now uh, I'm just so so excited for this game I'm getting very pumped and I'll probably be going back through the original trilogy pretty soon and the cool thing too is like if Smite uh, I, I want to at least mention Smite once a podcast uh, if Smite's <laughs> any indication it's it's very easy to make um, lore of mythology very digestible to people who have no idea who the character is. Um, right. Excuse me. Half of the gods in Smite are gods I personally never heard of. Obviously, a lot of the hmm. Greek and Roman ones and, and the Egyptian ones I know about. You know, the right. Ra's, the Poseidons, the Ares, all that stuff. But when you start getting uh -huh. into, like, the Mayan pantheon and all these other places of, like, the Chalk and the Willis, they're, they're gods I've never heard of because I'm not familiar. That isn't really a, a popular mythology, you know? So right. and they make it very digestible. They have character bios, and you learn. They have little like animated things. And um, my my point is, I think this is going to be cool to get into 
the quote unquote very deep Norse mythology, but I think they have an understanding of how to how to make this digestible to everybody. It's going to be awesome. Um, I think you just made a great point there. Obviously, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. I'm very excited about the Norse direction that they're going in. Most likely for a trilogy is what I'm seeing here because they're they're speaking on uh, the original God of War games as if, as if they were Act One of Kratos's existence since he is um, immortal at this point. So yeah, it's getting me thinking. Uh, another thing that Corey Barlog was talking about in some of these closed door sessions was how they had originally started looking at uh, Egyptian mythology for these games, but he felt like their uh, going to egypt it would have been too populated it seems like and so he said for this north mythology and even for greek mythology you're going through these uh big open temples and crazy stuff and you're all alone and it's very isolated and it feels like a stranger wandering through a strange land was his quote and so i get that but at the same time i'm really looking forward to what we might see with the god of war franchise in the future um, Egyptian mythology would be fucking incredible. Um, even like, yeah, you just mentioned Maya, Mayan, the Mayan pantheon, I should say, and that could be incredible. Um, they did Greek, but they could even do Roman, even though there's some some tie-ins there. But yeah, man, I, I this has got me so reinvigorated with the God of War franchise, and I would love to see what gods they mess with in the future. It's smart too. Like whoever came up with the first idea, it's like it's a it's an easy franchise builder. It's like, you know, um, we're gonna go to this mythology first, and then if we ever want to extend on the game, we have things available. Like we can go to different pantheons. So it's super smart. Um, the next thing here has to talk about another uh, sequel um, to a game, uh, maybe not as popular as God of War. Uh, Watch Dogs Two uh, will not feature Ubisoft's map unlocking towers. Now, uh, this comes by way of Joe Screbbles over at IGN. I'm probably saying his last name wrong, as always. It's my thing. Um, but he basically says, uh, A Watch Dogs 2 won't feature the map unlocking towers familiar to players of Ubisoft open world games. Towers have been an integral part of progression in Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, The Crew, and the original Watch Dogs. Um, which is funny that they put in The Crew since it's a racing game. But, um, yeah, this is really interesting uh, that they're not going to have that. Um, it also came out today that Watch Dogs 2, you can play from front to back without killing anybody or doing anything lethal. Really? Yeah, that came out today. That's very interesting because I was wondering if that was going to be one of the things that they decided to uh, kind of lean off the gas a little bit because um, a lot of people had complaints about in Watch Dogs 1, Aiden Pierce just being this like... Homicidal killer. But more the fact that he's supposed to be this, like, you know, underground uh, hacker vigilante, and then, you know, he sees a guy steal somebody's wallet and beats the dude to death. Like, the crime doesn't fit the punishment, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was kind of like a homicidal maniac once, like, this guy's like, I just stole 50 bucks, dude, don't fucking kill me, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was wondering if, like I said, they were going to, you know, kind of ease off of that. So that's a, that's a very interesting point, um, almost to me as much as the no no towers. Well, this also was like maybe since they're taking a break from Assassin's Creed, they want to see how this plays out. And who knows, maybe the next Assassin's Creed might, might not even have that feature. But that's weird to me because like, it's, it's so ingrained in Assassin's Creed. I'm fine with this getting, ri getting rid of Watch Dogs because that series just began. But to yeah. me, getting rid of that in... Um, in, in Assassin's Creed is like taking away a part of Assassin's Creed. Like I think Assassin's yeah. Creed is what made that a thing to me personally. Like the tower it's different, thing. It's different than like Far Cry with its towers where you're just like 
you literally walking up the tower, and you just kind of have to find the pathway. Yeah. Um, and you zip line down. Uh, with Assassin's Creed, you have the leap of faith off of the tower, which, like you said, is an integral part of what Assassin's Creed is. So that would be interesting. And when you said um, it would be interesting if, if Assassin's Creed didn't have this feature, I was thinking, what if Assassin's Creed had a non-lethal feature? Like, I know that's kind of dumb because you're an assassin. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, I know. It sounds dumb. But Dishonored, you're an assassin. Yeah. And you can go through the entire game without even being seen, much less be non-lethal. So it would be cool if, um, obviously, you know, there should never be an Assassin's Creed game where you can't be an assassin. But if you could just be like a... It'd be cool if there was, like, uh, different assassin jobs. Yeah. Because, you know, they've done that with... I know we're getting on an Assassin's Creed tan, but, uh, a tangent, but... Um, like in the multiplayer, um, in any online play, they have different jobs for different assassins, and that would be really cool if you could specialize. It'd be cool if you could special be a certain specialty of hacker in Watch Dogs. Also, I think if you made it so um, you kill so many people in Assassin's Creed games, maybe yeah. if you can make it where you can quote unquote knock him out, where you don't kill them necessarily, yeah. um, that would I think change. Make it like. Metal Gear Solid, essentially. Yeah, and because when you actually do kill somebody, it might make that uh, a lot more dramatic and a lot more, mm. it, it feel a lot more um, personal and worth it, you know? Right. Uh, like, yeah. oh, I, I have to kill this guy. And maybe that, that could be a decision thing, too, of, like, if you let this guy live later on in the game, he comes back to hurt you because you didn't kill him. Um, Sounds kind of like a uh, morality choice there, huh? Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Um, I definitely want to see a lot more refreshing things with Assassin's Creed. I don't think the formula is necessarily old, but I would like for such a such a long going series um, to take some risks sometimes. Um, so, yeah, uh, quite a tangent there. Last story, real quick, and then we're going to get into our couple of topics. Um, this is just a funny story I wanted to include. It comes from Chris Kohler over at Wired.com. Everything we know about Nintendo's mysterious next console, the NX. Um, so he goes through a list here. First of all, it can play Zelda. Uh, forgive me for stating the obvious, but uh, Iji Anuma, a producer of Legend of Zelda series, told us that the Saga's new open world entry, Breath of the Wild, will be the same experience whether you're playing on the Wii U or NX. Uh, that shuts down any theory that NX is some wacky contraption uh, with joysticks poking up out of an oval-shaped screen. That doesn't mean it's only sticks and buttons, but it does mean it's not an iPad. Um, it can play Just Dance. We know this because Ubisoft has announced a second known NX game. A version of its popular motion control dancing game. But wait, doesn't that mean NX will have motion controls? Not necessarily. Uh, the current console version of the game actually uses your cell phones as the controller. Uh, so the NX doesn't necessarily have to have native motion controls. And the last thing, uh, Nintendo's not fighting Xbox and PlayStation on specs. Uh, you'd have to pretty much uh, be tuned out over the past decade to not realize that Nintendo's biggest uh, competition isn't Microsoft and Sony, but Ap uh, Apple and Google. Uh, for Nint Nintendo to play catch-up and match the extensive hardcore gamer-oriented features... Uh, would be incredible expensive undertaking that is likely to fail. Um, and then he basically talks about how they used to use the, the red ocean strategy where they're trying to use the blue ocean strategy and it's a big old thing. You can go into the article to see that. Um, red ocean? What is it? Filled with blood? Jesus. Well, it's, uh, he essentially, they said that they didn't want to enter the red ocean with Microsoft and Sony and they'd rather go for the blue ocean. Um, so I just want to, this, thought this is an interesting article of like, we literally, this is basically saying we literally know nothing of this, of this console. Um, there's a whole thing of it possibly having, uh, uh, not cartridge, cartridges, or I guess cartridges. Um, the, the biggest thing that bothered me too is recently he basically came out and said, we're not an open world game. We don't want this to set to the standards of other games in the industry. We're an open air game. 
get over yourself. Really? Open <laughs> yeah, air? Yeah, does needed to get over themselves for a while now. Open air? Come on now. Um, yeah, I... Once again, this game still hasn't shown me what makes Zelda Zelda, and people are saying they held it out of the demo. They did it on purpose. Has Nintendo shown to that make those kind of... That's thing to do, then. If, if Nintendo's shown uh, to do anything, it's not make really smart decisions, I don't think, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Me, personally, it looks... It, all the stuff people are getting excited for, they're excited because it's in a Zelda game, but yet they don't realize that none of the Zelda game stuff is in there. It's like, we're playing a Zelda skin of Skyrim, at best. Yeah, there's nothing there that screams Zelda to me. Where's Ganon? Where's Zelda? Like, I, you don't want to show the story, but how deep really is the story? At least show that they're there. Like, in anything I saw, I didn't see anything with them. Um, somebody was speculating, did you see the the, uh, the demo of, of Breath of the Wild? Well, they played it for, like, yeah. ten fucking hours. So, when so yeah, I mean, I saw, like, the first hour or so. So, when you walk out of that first cryo chamber, uh, chamber thingy, and then you see the dude at that fire, that old dude talking to you, there's a rumor that that's actually Ganon. And then at the end of the game, it's like, you helped me, I was actually bad the whole time, yada, yada, yada. I've also heard that he was, uh, maybe the... Because a lot of people are thinking that this is the Wind Waker world. Yeah. Um, after the, the water has been washed away from... Hyrule, so he could be the, what is it, not like, the Red King or something like that. Yeah. It's the guy that I think gives you your boat, so. Um, yeah, I'm, there's also the, the it, to be honest with you, the rumor that gets me most willing to buy an NX is if it's a powerful portable device, um, because I, I like the 3DS and everything, um, we're definitely not getting a Vita 2 from the looks of it. So we don't really have anything new. Don't say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, um, oh, I, dude, I'm going to hold out hope until like 2020 and then I'll finally give up. The thing is, is that like, what am I missing from my, my gaming experience? It's a hand, it's a really solid handheld experience. I like the 3DS. Vita's okay too. I don't think Vita's bad by any means. But like, if it's a, a pretty good handheld experience that you can also plug into your screen to like play on the big screen, that's awesome. A Nintendo console doesn't really get me excited. Like, as I think about it, like, I have... If I want to buy a second console, I want to buy a PlayStation 4 because they have a lot of cool exclusives. And people can say, oh, it's just like an Xbox. No, it's not. (laughs) That doesn't... Yeah. uh, So, I I think the handheld route is what would get me most excited. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think Nintendo's got a long-ass way to go before they get me even thinking about buying an NX. I mean... Of course, they really haven't talked about it at all, um, so they haven't said anything that's going to deter me, but at the same time, like, we're less than a year away from this console, and, you know, nobody knows shit about it, really, so it's like, I'll go back to, like, what I said earlier on the on the podcast several episodes ago about them shooting themselves in the foot. They're just not controlling this message well, and at this point, you know, it's... It's summer of 16, and their console comes out in spring of 17. It's like, dude, what are you waiting for? We know what consoles are. We know how to feel when you unveil a console. Like, there's no way that they're just going to blow our minds so hard that we're like, oh my god, it's not even a console. It's not a PC. It's not anything. It's just NX. Like, there's no... I just don't see any outcome where they just... Um, they needed to wait this long to tell us before the launch. Yeah. Um, well, we spent quite a bit of time on news. Let's get into... We only have two topics this week. 
Uh, you wanted to go over E3 a bit since we have all of our coverage already out there, everything we've talked about. Uh, you uh, Also, uh, for those who listened to last week's episode, Jordan's uh, audio messed up. So, unfortunately, we didn't have him for part of the Game of the Show discussion. Actually, all of the Game of the Show dis- discussion and part of the uh, who we thought won E3. So, uh, yeah, what's your topic? And if you want to get into that stuff that we didn't hear from you last week, unfortunately. Right. So, my topic is going to be just uh, an E3 wrap-up. Obviously, we kind of did that in the show last week, but we were still in the middle of recording our uh, conference discussions. Um, So this is really a wrap-up. Like you said, all of our E3 coverage is out now, so we can uh, really look back on that. Um, But yeah, before I get into that, I'll go ahead and name off my games of show. Um, First, I will go with the games that I wanted more of at E3 um, and just run through this list very fast. Um, Hellblade, um, I've talked about how that's Ninja Theory, and I'm so excited for this game. It's probably my most anticipated, but that is a very small team working on it over there, like 13 to 15 people, so um, I'm starting to think this might be a 2018 game, even if it's um, we see a lot more of it next year. I think it could be 2018. Also, lots of Norse mythology in Hellblade as well. The main character, she is a Viking princess as far as I understand it, so... Um, lots of cool connections there. Um, then, yeah, Mass Effect. Um, obviously, they didn't show shit at the EA conference, and that was really disappointing. Um, wondering where EA's Criterion game is that we saw a couple years ago from E3, where it was really just like a weird tech demo of all these off-road vehicles. Um, I have no idea how they don't have anything to show from that now, uh, since they've been working on it for multiple years. Then Crackdown from Microsoft, that game is in trouble. I don't think it's in development hell, but I think that they're having some issues on that game, and they're definitely having some communication issues with the audience as far as what they're trying to show. Then, where the fuck was Rise of the Tomb Raider on PS4? I really wanted a release date. I really wanted to be playing that this fall. It may still happen, but it just starts to feel like at this point that um, Sony's going to just kind of throw it out hush-hush which is fine because people that want to play this game on PS4 are, you know, gamers and know what's up with it anyways. And then the last Kingdom Hearts 3, um, at the end of the 2.8 trailer, which said it'll come out December 16, 2016, um, it said that we would also be getting more Kingdom Hearts news this winter, which is basically Square Enix Enix saying, don't ask us about Kingdom Hearts 3 at E3, um, which I'm cool with. That just kind of gets it out of the way so we're not sitting there waiting on it the whole time. Um, very excited about Kingdom Hearts 3, one of my most anticipated games. And, you know, it may be a 2018 release, but hopefully we'll get it next fall. Um, then, uh, just games that I was really excited for that weren't necessarily my game of the show. Gears 4, Gravity Rush 2, For Honor, We Happy Few, Horizon, Ghost Recon, Deus Ex. Um, I'm not going to go into those, I'll just say that I am excited for all those games, and I liked what was shown at E3 for them. And then finally, my games of the show, um, counting down from five. Uh, five was Spider-Man. Would have been higher on the list. Very uh, excited about that game, me personally. Just that they really only had a trailer, and it did show some gameplay, but not enough to feel like an actual gameplay demo. Um, and that game doesn't even have a name yet, so it's probably going to be a ways off. Um, then after that is Watch Dogs 2. Very excited with the trailers that they showed, um, and super excited with this new direction. 
the new city, the new feel of the game. Um, Ubisoft has got me on board for Watch Dogs 2. Um, then God of War is number three. We talked about how excited I am on that game. Um, I think the demo they showed was great. showed a lot of pieces of that world that we needed, even if a lot of them were hidden Easter eggs. Um, yeah, that, that game has been leaked for a long time now. We've known about it and known about the Norse setting, but uh, we didn't know what the gameplay looked like and how they were going to change a lot of things from the original God of War game. So very happy and excited uh, to see more from God of War. Then we have Detroit Become Human at number two, and that is uh, the latest game from Quantic Dream, who is not a Sony-owned studio, but usually makes PlayStation exclusives. Um, their last two games, Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, are, uh, you know, these um, interactive experiences, as opposed to, in my opinion, they're not like actual video games. And um, it looks like they're telling a really cool sci-fi story with lots of different outcomes here with multiple Android characters that we're going to be playing as. So um, Detroit, I hope, comes out next year. But, um, you know, Quantic Dream really likes to take its time. So we'll see when that game comes around. And, of course, not only uh, my game of show, but also our uh, game of show here at Controlled Interests, Dishonored 2. I thought, you know, a lot of people felt like they showed too much of that game. Well, not too much, but just took too long on that game at the Bethesda conference. It had three separate pieces of gameplay and uh, environments shown. And I do think they spent too much time on it, but I was personally really okay with it because that's probably my most anticipated game this year. So um, they showed off some cool new mechanics that are really innovative in my mind, and um, they showed off just that awesome Dishonored gameplay that I'm so excited for. So, yeah, Dishonored 2, game of the show, if you ask me. Um, and then you kind of wanted me to mention who I thought won E3. Um, and I've talked about this on the individual discussions for the conferences, but I just felt like Microsoft had a really complete conference that lasted long enough and had all the little pieces of everything you would want from one of the first parties. And I felt like Sony hit us really hard, bam, 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 with a lot of great games or demos or trailers, um, but then it trailed off at the end, and it was only an hour long. It wasn't nearly long enough, so I wish that they had delved deeper. I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be taken care of with PlayStation Network. I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be taken care of with PlayStation Plus and the games that we're getting, um, and I think there's plenty of other things that PlayStation needs to discuss besides just VR and their first-party titles. Um, so I really felt let down by Sony this year and wished that they had been, even if there were things taken out, I think there were plenty of things that you could have put in to replace them that would have been substantial enough and uh, exciting enough to have in that conference and it would have felt more full and complete. So to me, Microsoft won the show. Um, right behind them was Bethesda because they had another great complete conference with a little bit of everything. But these don't. <laughs> after after the wonderful land of Bethesda, I would say uh, Sony would be three after that. So that's my E3 um, game of the show and, uh, I guess, conference of the show. So as far as the wrap-up, I really don't have much to say. We've talked about it at almost nauseum at this point. Um, for me, I'll just retread real quick. I thought Microsoft won. Seems like they cared the most about E3. 
Um, I don't think PlayStation didn't care necessarily, but you do you do sense that they have to time things out for PSX and stuff like that. And I think the biggest detriment to, to PlayStation's E3 is them having PSX. And uh, I think uh, I, I I think it's I think it's the culmination. It's the fact that Microsoft has E3 and Gamescom, and Sony has E3, Tokyo Game Show, Paris Games Week, and PSX, which uh, E3 is obviously the biggest of the four, but the other three are all like among the same tier, so they're all pretty big shows, and I think yeah. that's why they're spreading well, so thin. The only reason I say PSX exclusively is because it is PlayStation's event. Like, PlayStation isn't sure. the only person at Tokyo Game Show or Paris Games Week. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I, do, I do think... I know why they created PSX. It just feels like... I don't know. Microsoft cared the most to me out of everybody. And EA cared the least, obviously. It's um, not a question. Uh, as far as e, uh, E3, I thought it was cool. I thought there was a lot of awesome games. Um, I do think there was a severe lack of JRPGs overall. Um, oh, yeah. Though that's not my go-to genre. I still think there was a severe lack of that. But that's definitely a genre that's heavy in the video game industry and it was lacking on the conference floor it seemed like um especially sony man shame on sony for that shit because they've got nino kuni and gravity rush 2 just sitting in the chamber and it's like dude you guys are a japanese company you need to act like it yep uh last thing i have to say is i think phil spencer and aisha taylor were the two best hosts out of everybody i think they both killed it i think they talked to people the best i think sean Layden did good i don't think he did bad i think ea's was obviously worse at everything and uh bethesda they, it was absolutely amazing, Jared. Don't be mistaken. I think Bethesda's conference as a, as a whole was just perfectly fine. I think if they wanted to step it up a notch, they could get a really awesome host. I, I suggested uh, TJ Miller, I think, on uh, on, on our Bethesda <laughs> conference talk. which Love it. Uh, that'd be hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I just think Phil Spencer and Aisha Taylor definitely were the best presenters out of everybody. They killed it. So mm. that's pretty much all I have to say about E3. It was a good E3. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to do with this topic, um, we had talked before E3, one of my topics was kind of just a rundown of all the different things that we knew about going into it so that we didn't forget about all those precious games um, once the wave of E3 hit us. So now that E3 is back in the rearview mirror, I wanted to go ahead and do another rundown and just look at what we got here. I'm sure my list is missing something, so Jared will just have to help me out there. Okay. Um, is this like quickie, so, like awesome? We just give like a, you say it and we're like, yeah, cool, or whatever? Or we just running down the list? Yeah, it's, um, this is really a list for all the things coming out the rest of this year and then into next year, so, um, yeah, I'm not going to be breaking down every game individually. Oh, yeah, but just going through the list? Stop, okay. Yeah, we can stop by and, you know talk about things that we're really excited for okay. um so we'll go by month and um yeah i'll try to keep this quick because it is a long list um this month we have odin sphere came out um on the same day as mirror's edge catalyst um odin sphere i'm excited to play but it is a ps2 remaster at 60 dollars on the playstation store so i'm definitely going to be waiting on that one um and then mirror's edge catalyst had um kind of mediocre reviews i was really hoping that the game was going to be rated a little higher so i'm sure i'll play that but it's gonna be later on and then we have one of my favorite game titles jared um in a long time this is it's been a while since i've loved a game title this much we have on june 28th coming up here in just a few days star ocean 5 integrity and faithlessness god 
<laughs> Doesn't that just scream Japanese game? Like, what the hell are you guys doing over there with these naming conventions? Um, and then on that same day of June 28th, we have the Technomancer. Do you know about this game, Jared? I know Crypto Dancer or something. I don't know so that no, one. Yeah. No, <laughs> you do not know this game. So this is from Spiders. Um, let me look up Spiders real quick. They're a game development studio. I think they're European. And they uh, have made several games, but they're all kind of games that people enjoy, but they got kind of low ratings. Um, and, you know, they're maybe like cult classics, I guess you could say. Um, but Technomancer is an open world RPG. Um, you're a fan of Bioware, and or specifically Mass Effect, I should say, so I think you'll be interested here. It's basically about like humans colonizing Mars and um, oh, cool. you're kind of like a monster hunter on Mars. Um, and so you get these um, kind of like biotic powers from Mass Effect. And you go out and fight these monsters on Mars. And um, yeah, like I said, Spiders is not a huge um, game studio. And they've had more like cult classics. But I think that this might be their time to shine. And this might be the, the sleeper hit that puts them on the map. Um, their list of games is uh, a couple of Sherlock Holmes games, which are actually pretty popular. People rate those highly. Um, of Orcs and Men, um, Bound by Flame, and I think both of those two are in set in the same universe, um, which those are kind of like action RPGs. And then, of course, we have Technomancer coming out later this month. So, um, yeah, this is a big, big sleeper here. It could go either way. Um, not a whole lot of media attention on this, um, but it is coming out at the end of this month, and it is an action, open-world, third-person RPG set in a sci-fi universe, so that is right up my alley, man. So I'm, I'm watching this one cautiously, I would say. Um, then after that, uh, next month we have Song of the Deep, which is going to be, I guess, GameStop's first published game, is that right? I think so, yeah. For Game Watch, yeah, which is a collaboration with Insomniac, and it's about a girl in a submarine trying to find her father. I think um, so. It looks cool, but it's not anything that is uh, something I would run out and get day one or download day one. Um, but then on July nineteenth, we have one of my most anticipated games right now. I am Setsuna. Jared, you know about this one? Yeah, it's a game called I Am Setsuna. Where in the first part of the game, you rename the character, right? <laughs> or you can rename the character. Uh, I didn't even know about that. I guess Setsuna is this girl who's been sentenced to death, but she has uh, one task, a mission that she wants to carry out beforehand, and so you as the other characters group along with her and go on this adventure. Um, it is a top-down JRPG that is heavily influenced from classic RPGs like the Final Fantasy series or Chrono Trigger. Um, so these are a type of game that I've been getting into a lot this year. And so um, Setsuna looks like um, part of this Japanese revolution that I've been talking about where there's all these awesome games coming out um, over here in the West that I think are really going to revitalize that JRPG genre that it needs needs a lot I of think, revitalization right now. I think uh, Shovel Knight to 2D platformers is what this game could possibly be for that genre. You know, I think okay. modernizing it a bit, still having the same feel of what the, the classics had and people loved about them but doing enough differently for a modern take that people really latch onto it, you know. It looks cool. Definitely not my type of game, point. but it looks awesome. So. 
the uh, connection to Shovel Knight. That's a good point to make, man. Yeah. Um, then we have We Happy Few coming out at the end of July. So stoked. That is just for Xbox One. I think it'll be coming uh, to PS4 eventually, but it looks like, yeah, I'm going to have to crack open that Xbox. I cannot because, wait. Uh, <laughs> it's PC and Xbox. Yeah, it's... Um, Okay, so it's an Xbox preview release on July 26th. Okay. So you you know about the preview campaign or whatever? Yeah, I'm part of that. You get to play the game for a certain amount of time. Usually, I think it's uh, an hour or maybe a little bit longer than that. And you get to preview the game. So it's defi- it's not out yet, but you get to preview it before it comes out to basically determine. It's an extended demo. That's the easiest way to put it. Okay, yeah. so it looks like it'll come out this fall and probably next year for PlayStation. Um, and is the Xbox preview thing where you also, like, get the updates early and stuff? Like, yes. betas of updates and... I don't think they're... Like, I remember you guys got special software for your controllers at one point and all that shit. I don't know if they're necessarily the same thing. Um, I am yeah. part of both, but I don't know if they're the same thing. I think the okay. preview thing, I think, was in was with the people who were in beta, but then once it became a feature, I don't think it's only for people who are part of the beta program. Okay. I'm, so yeah, it looks like that game, the actual full game, is going to be out later on this fall. So my mistake there, I forgot to make that note. Um, what about Inside? Then in, Inside, yes, that was the next one on my list. Yep. Um, and that is what is it? July twenty eighth. July twenty eighth or 29th. I couldn't remember if it was June or July. That's why I was waiting to see if you had it on your list. It's, I, yeah, it's yeah, July it's, it's July twenty eighth for sure. Okay. Because I remember them talking about that in the two seconds that they mentioned this game at the Microsoft conference. Um, that is from the developers of Limbo, and it looks like it has a really creepy vibe still. Um, looks like uh, it's got a lot of um, hints of like a 1984 or something like that, like a dystopian society where um, you know emotion is not necessarily on the top of the list. Um, so. I'm very excited about if that. If you love one. dystopian things, you have two things right there. You get a preview of We Happy Few, and you have Inside in less oh, than a week of each other. That make you, that may make you want to go off the deep end, dude. George, you should George Orwell would love that. The, that week in gaming. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so then we get to August, and we have No Man's Sky on the 9th, which obviously got delayed from earlier in June. Um, this one I am totally on the fence on. Um, definitely going to have to see reviews, definitely going to have to see how the community re- reacts to it and how uh, gamers as a whole treat this because um, this game just hasn't proven itself to me thus far. I'm not, I said earlier in like a co- podcast maybe right before E3 and I'm not taking it back, I think this will be the most disappointing game of, of this year. And I don't think it's going to be a bad, I don't think it's going to be a bad game. Game? Uh, absolutely amazing. Um I think it's just it has such high expectations that it's not going to meet. I think the ceiling for this is so high. Kind of like how Dom said that um, his expectations for uh, the 1986 or 1886 or whatever the hell that game's called that the expectations for it were so low that he actually was surprised by. It. I think that this game's expectations are so high, people are going to be disappointed. I think that its ceiling is higher than Final Fantasy 15 or any other or Last Guardian, um, and I think it's it's not going to hit that. I think it'll be a decent game, but. We'll see. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, and uh, yeah, I'll be a big dumb idiot, dummy. So <laughs> big dumb. Yeah, we'll get if that if it turns out not to be the most disappointing game of 2016, then we'll have to get you like a. I'll tweet. I'll tweet. I'm a big dumb idiot, t-shirt. dummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you like a, a necklace to wear around or whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we are still in August here with one of my most anticipated games of the year, 
Deus Ex Mankind Divided on the 23rd. Are you excited about this game at all, Jared? Uh, no, and that's not because... How many says? I have no familiarity with the series. I actually have um, Mankind Divided. Or is that the first one? What's the first yes. one? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. no. Uh, this is Mankind Divided. The first one is Human Revolution. I have it downloaded. It was an Xbox Games with Gold free game, um, and I yeah. have it downloaded. I just haven't gone to it. It's one of those games that, like... And I hate to make this comparison because I don't think it is necessarily true. It feels very Metal Gear to me where I'm afraid that I'm too late in the story to get a gist of what's going on. Because it seems very complicated, I, you know? I would disagree because the original Deus Ex takes place after these Deus Ex games. Okay. So, like, Human Revolution and Mankind Divided are their own prequel trilogy. Okay. So, um, I actually need to play the first game too, but um, I know this sci-fi universe... Looks it looks super awesome. To me. I love sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna dig this. Um, so then we got like Madden and F1 and some sports games. Um, Abzu, are you excited about that at all? August second. It's like uh, some of the de- developers from Journey and uh, the guy I think that worked on the music in Journey, and it's kind of like a kind of like if Journey was underwater. It's like an underwater oh, that's exploration cool. game. Yeah, yeah. So something to look out for. PC, PS4, August second. Um, and then you and Dom will enjoy this. You're getting your Nuka World DLC in August um, for all systems, and that is going to be the last big piece of Fallout 4 story DLC. I'm happy that um, that's going to be the last piece of DLC, so that way they can start working on other stuff. So, Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have September. We have uh, just some quick games to throw out there. We've got XCOM 2 finally coming to consoles, which is actually really big. I'm excited about that. Um, we have ReCore, which is an Xbox exclusive that is, uh, we just found out, is going to be a $40 budget game. Um, Everyone playing uh, that game says it's not what you expect, that it plays better than it shows. A lot yeah. of people I've seen talk yeah. about that say it's it's a, a completely different experience than what you expect when you play it. So I'm excited. Um, the $40 price point will definitely help it out a lot, so that's all I have to say. Yeah, I think it's going to be, um, people are going to be pleasantly surprised with that game because of the $40 price point. It lowers your expectations to where you don't get disappointed. Yep. Um, then we have Destiny Rise of Iron DLC. Blech. I guess we're, none of us are Destiny fans around here. We got some more sports games. And then we got Final Fantasy Fifteen on September September 30th. I know, Jared, you're getting pretty hyped on this game, aren't you? I was until that E3 demo, <laughs> remember? Jesus. Yeah. The uh, can't hit a single button, dude. Yeah. This is a game I will, I will defi- I'll call it now. I will play this game beginning to end. I don't know if I'll buy it at release, though. It might be a, a game I get later on. But I will play that game. Um, if if anything, Final Fantasy Remake of Seven definitely has me the most intrigued because it's a game a lot of people love. And if, once again, going back to the bringing old things and making them new, if I'm able to experience that story in a more modern take, I definitely think that'd be super awesome. But, yeah, Final Fantasy Fifteen. I think it has good expectations. I think... Um, fans of Final Fantasy are a little bit more reserved in their expectations than the people who are excited for Last Guardian or No Man's Sky. That's why I don't think I, I don't know if this game will be a disappointment or not. And if it is, I that's why I'm saying No Man's Sky has the biggest possibility because I don't think Final Fantasy 15 ceiling is as high as No Man's Sky right now. You know the hype is getting pushed up that high. So well, I would I would even go so far as to say that these Final Fantasy fans are just used to disappointment at this point with the trilogy for 13 that they just got the uh 13 1 2 and 3 yeah nobody liked those I think, well i mean i wouldn't say nobody liked them but they were just 
overall, I would say each one was its own disappointment in a way. I think this game will be a 7 at worst. A, a 6.5, a 7. I don't think mm-hmm. it'll be worse than that. Um, I just can't see I, that. So. You were talking about being day one earlier. I think I was day one, but yeah, now I'm, I'm just probably going to wait for reviews because this is a 10-year-old game, and they are still having some problems showing it. And so, yeah, it's even though I am getting into Final Fantasy right now, I, th- I still think I'm not such a big fan that I have to buy it day one. What so. was, what's, uh, did we miss Lost Guardian? No, we are coming up on October. Okay, for some reason I thought it was so, August, so I just remember that wrong. My bad. October is a big old month. One thing to point out, I just wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, we're still, we just got through the summer, and that was pretty quick because there wasn't a whole lot of big releases. Um, you know, we're in this mode right now with uh, the release windows and formats of video games being that um, a lot of stuff gets released in the fall, right? All the big games, the big blockbuster titles get released in the fall. And those that were meant to be in the fall but got de- excuse me, got delayed, those are pushed into uh, the beginning of next year. So now we're in this point where uh, the last couple years, and obviously 2017, the springtime is going to be huge for game releases because of all those delays. But then, even 2017 summertime still doesn't look that hot right now. It looks like you're going to get a couple of games, one in June, one in July, one in August, just like we did with Witcher and Batman last summer. And this is stuff that keeps you held over throughout the summer, but I'm just really wishing, like, I know you guys are trying to get these games out as fast as possible, and so you're just delaying them from last fall to the spring and trying to make that your new time to shine. But I really think there's plenty of developers who would be like, you know what, we're delaying it into next year. Let's delay it all the way into next summer and take up some of these spots that are just wide open. And I know for a fact that there are plenty of gamers who want to get out of the hot-ass weather and sit down and play some video games during the summer. So I just don't see why this is still a thing when we've obviously come so far as to say, look, spring is huge now for games. Let's make summer huge, too. Well, even this, like, I I would be okay. I I don't want Andromeda to get delayed, but if it got delayed, I would not want fall. That'd be cool if they said mid-June. So I get all my E3 stuff. I love E3. I watch all this stuff. E3's done. I get a dive into Mass Effect Andromeda. Can you imagine if, you know, it is still kind of a drought next summer, but you get Mass Effect in, like, May or June where you can just play it all summer and just dive in? Yeah, I want I want some like, games to take oh. advantage of that summer slot. Um, what else do we got, though? Okay, so, yeah, running through here, uh, October, I am going to run through this because it is stacked. Okay. Um, on the 7th, we've got Mafia 3. On the 11th, we have Gears of War 4. PlayStation VR comes out October 13th. Um, then we have Battlefield 1 on the 21st, Civilization 6 on the 21st, uh, The Last Guardian on the 25th, Titanfall 2 on the 28th, Skyrim Special Edition on the 28th, Dragon Quest Builders finally comes over in October, people are actually pretty excited about that, Batman Arkham VR, which I think will be pretty big, and then WWE 2017 in October. Who has Goldberg, yeah. which is cool, I love Goldberg, he was my favorite wrestler as a kid. Dude, uh, that October month is looking like the new November. It is insane, yeah. Um, so then, but still, November's pretty stacked. We got uh, COD Infinite Warfare, November 4, Dishonored 2 on November 11th, Gran Turismo Sport on November 15th. That game's going to be huge. As well as Watch Dogs 2 on the 15th. Then we've got Pokemon Sun and Moon, November 18th. Um, oh, South yeah. Park Fractured But Whole, December 6th. 
Well, this is weird. They just grouped these months together. So, yeah, I guess we're moving into December here. Uh, Steep, the Ubisoft game that they just unveiled, is in December. Oh, that comes out this year. Um, wow. Yeah. Huh. Uh, that is kind of weird. Uh, might get delayed since it's already... It just says December. It doesn't even have a date. Right, quarter four um, is what they have or something. And it's just like we're going right. to... Yeah. Right. So, yeah, on the 6th, you have both South Park um, and Dead Rising 4. Um, and then sometime in December, we're also going to get Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue HD, I think we, as they like to call through it. Through the here. whole list, I think we only missed one thing. Uh, Forza Horizon 3 comes out in September. Yeah, how did I miss that? Yeah, I think that's the only thing we missed. Everything um, else seems pretty pretty good. Yeah, um, it was on this list. I just skimmed over <laughs> it. My bad. No problem. Uh, first, I really hope... Uh, just That's awesome. Those All those games are coming out October, November, packed as usual. Um, there's two games that aren't slated for this year or don't have a release date that I hope do. Um, Below, I really hope that game comes out this year. Um, Cuphead. Cuphead's the one I don't think will hit this year. Below, I think, still has a chance of popping up at Gamescom and that's available in a couple weeks. Um, Katana Zero, which I did an indie hype for. That guy said it's going to be 2017, but I want, I'm just being super optimistic. Um, and, uh, yeah, how interesting would it be if Yacht Club Games showed up at Gamescom, uh, and showed off, showed off Shovel Knight too. That'd be cool. Yeah, a lot of good stuff coming out this year. I think it's gonna be a really good, uh, packed fall as usual. Though there's a lot of games, there's not a lot of games that come out so close together that I'm feeling super jaded about it. A lot of games, it's like I'm going one way or the other. For instance, uh, December, uh, Fractured Butthole looks super cool. I'm not a South Park guy, so Dead Rising Four definitely has my vote there. We're talking about Timefall Two over Battlefield One for me personally. So there is definitely a lot of uh, easy choices for me personally, but for people who love a lot of those things, it's going to be hard. So So just to wrap this up, I'm just going to skim through the list of games that have been announced but um, don't have a release date. First, we'll start off with stuff that we think is actually going to come in 2016. Um, Batman Telltale uh, should probably be out this year, and then I think even... They talked about the uh, first episode is going to be the end of summer. Right, and then Walking Dead Season 3 will start in the fall so telltale's got a big year ahead of them um below you mentioned that uh super hot um hopefully we'll get that on console soon super um hot. friday the 13th have you seen anything about that game that game is actually looking pretty cool yeah it's uh there's a new game out now called dead by daylight uh which is essentially an asymmetric multiplayer game it's four survivors against one murderer um it seems like they did what this Friday the 13th game is doing, but on a smaller scale, it's more of an indie-ish game. Um, it looks very cool. It looks like an asymmetric multiplayer game that makes sense. I bought Evolve. I got super... The j- monster killing the kids or whatever. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily rely on teamwork as much as Evolve did. That's a huge thing with Evolve is it was so predicated on teamwork that it crushed that game. Um, the fact that you can go as a team or you can just be, screw you guys, I want to survive the night, I think it's pretty cool. This has... Uh, the possibility of becoming a franchise-esque thing where the next one's like Freddy Krueger or something like that. I think it's a really smart way to do asymmetric gameplay. Um, Adam Sessler actually has his hand in this too. He's a consultant or something, I think. Um, something along those lines. He's somehow involved in this game, and anything Adam Sessler's involved in, I'm 100% in because he's awesome. Shout out to Adam Sessler, dude. One of the smartest guys in the X-play. industry. Yeah, X-Play back in the day, dude. So um, Then we've got Gravity Rush to... Hellblade, and it says PS, PC and PS4, so I guess um, maybe Sony's helping Ninja Theory out with Hellblade, maybe going to do some exclusive stuff there. 
Um, then we got Lawbreakers coming from Cliffy B on PC. Uh, we've got Gwent the Witcher card game. We have uh, Fury, which is a really cool looking uh, indie game. If you don't know about that, I would look it up. Um, coming out for PS4. Uh, Neo PS4. Um, Outlast 2. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Come on, PS4. Where you at? Um, we got Paper Mario, because I know you're such a big Wii U fan, Jared. Um, we have plenty of Division DLC coming out throughout the year. Um, talked about the Telltale stuff. Um, and then Scalebound, Sea of Thieves, Agent of Mayhem, Crackdown 3, Detroit, um, Near Automata, Persona 5, Halo Wars 2, For Honor, um, Tekken 7, Pyre, Final Fantasy re 12 re-release, um, should be a Need for Speed game next year, um, Battlefront 2, Tales of Berseria, Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, Days Gone, Injustice 2, Phantom Dust, yeah right, uh, Death Stranding, God of War, Spider-Man, um, Quake Champions, Prey, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Ukulele, and Horizon Zero Dawn. I think now we are all prepped. We're going to have to get Dom to listen to this show because this is a great prepper, the list that we just went through for Did you say see everything these? coming out. 2016, yes, uh, 2017, and even maybe 2018. Well, you said Death Stranding, so. so. <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, I mentioned Death Stranding, so maybe even some previews for your 2019 and 2020 For your kids sessions. to play when they turn 18. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, we're actually, what we're going to do is, I was going to do a topic, uh, but I don't want to ruin it. We'll do it probably next week or some other week. Uh, the way I'm going to split up this episode is we're probably going to do, I'm going to do the news in two segments, and then we're going to do, um, like, uh Jordan's unheard uh, E3 kind of thing where he talked about his game of the show and stuff. And then I think the game rundown for the next year or so is going to be the last topic. Um, okay. Yeah, it was a good episode. Unfortunately, Dom wasn't able to join us, but these two men podcasts are cool too. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the it. Fireside Groove. Uh, heading out, uh, what I'm going to be playing this week, some more Fallout 4. Uh, one thing you had talked about that I completely forgot about. So I'm going to be reading Invincible, some more Invincible. Um, and I'm actually on episode 9 or 10, I think, of the Ninja Theory uh, documentary thingy. Um, yes, dude. I forgot to tell you, you, you told us about it and you linked us to it, and I started watching it. So I'm like on episode 9 or 10. It's really cool. Uh, so I'll probably finish yeah. that up because I think it's a episode, what, 20, 21, 19, something like that, right? Yeah, they're in the 20s now. They're just like, you know, five, seven-minute dev diaries, and, and they're really going nitty-gritty with that game if you're interested in it, uh, listeners out there. And... Uh, I want to check out the Voltron series on Netflix. A lot of people said it's pretty good. Yes, I've been meaning to see that. And uh, Game of Thrones finale this Sunday. Can't wait. Woo! Uh, obviously, no spoilers. Uh, episode 9 was great. They always hit those Episode 9s. Hard Home was fantastic. Yes. Battle of the Bastards. The, the the Jon Snow shot where he's standing there, that's all I want to get. I don't want to get too much away. The shot where Jon Snow standing there is one of the best shots in that entire show ever. Um, yeah. So great. Great Game of Thrones uh, yep. best show on television. Um, Dude, can't wait to see them wrap this season up. I think, you know, depending upon how good the finale is, this might be the best uh, season so far of the show. Yep. Um, also excited, we're going to be getting a competitive ranked mode in Overwatch pretty soon, either uh, late this month or early next month is from what they're saying, so that's going to be awesome. That's big. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, pretty much just Fallout 4, some Overwatch, probably a little bit of Smite, throw it in there. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, what about you, Jordan? What are you, what are you getting ready to play or watch? So, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show, but uh, been playing through this story on Dishonored Definitive Edition on PS4 to get ready for Dishonored 2 this fall. And, uh, of course, that game has a great story, and I was trying to work on the Platinum to get the, uh, you know, get the ghost trophies and all that where you're never seen and never kill anybody, and then the high chaos, <laughs> the high chaos uh, trophies, but... Um, that was going to be pretty time consuming and I really just wanted to go ahead and finish this first game before the second one come out, comes out without wanting to beat my head against a brick wall. So playing Dishonored, um, going to hop back into Witcher 3 now that I've got that update ready to go and, uh, of course Persona 3, I'll be playing that. Hope to God that I actually finish that game before episode 20 because if not, there's going to be hell to pay for me. Um, and then, um... Yeah, dude, Game of Thrones episode 10 is going to be humongous. I cannot wait for that. Um, just a couple days away here. And then um, I've been watching Orphan Black, the TV series. Have you heard of that one, Jared? Yeah, my uh, design teacher in college loved that show. She would talk about it nonstop. Yeah. It's not the best show, I will say that. It, it has its flaws just like any, any other show, really. But at the same time, it's a it's a really really good show. It's very. It's an Amazon uh, Prime uh, show, right? No, it is BBC. BBC, okay. For some reason, yeah. I thought it was Amazon Prime. Yeah, they might have it on there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Orphan Black. I would say it's light sci-fi. It's it's about clones, and um, these chicks that are you know meeting each other for the first time as clones, and how they're discovering who created them and the company behind it and all that. So. Um, like I said, it's not the best show. It's no Game of Thrones, but it is a very good show. And so um, if you're into clones, if you're into light sci-fi like I am, I would give it a recommendation. Awesome. Uh, every week, actually, I hope that you say that you're going to start Mass Effect 2. Um, after you finish all of your... We're getting close. I was yeah. actually about <laughs> to mention that on this show. Even though I'm thinking that you know Andromeda is going to be like later on this year or later on next year, I'm still thinking like it's about time to play Mass Effect because I got to... I'm like kind of itching itching to get back into that universe yeah and you have a lot of current commitments that i'm i don't want to get in the way of because like witcher 3 is fantastic obviously and you want to finish persona 3 i'm just waiting for you to play the game because like i said it's my personal favorite game of all time i love mass effect 2 so much the dlc is fantastic so i can't wait i can't wait um there are plenty of conversations to be had in the near future my yeah friend. exactly um yeah that's our show guys thank you guys for listening uh Share us when you can, like us when you can, uh, leave us a rating on fi uh, iTunes when you can, all of that good stuff. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube if you can. Uh, our Twitter is at CTRLINT, that's short for Controlled Interests. Our YouTube, just type in Controlled Interests in the search bar and you'll find it. Unfortunately, we don't have a custom URL yet until we hit 100 subscribers, I believe it is. Um, yeah, but thank you guys for sharing all the stuff you guys do every week. We definitely appreciate it. Um, as always, we're growing slowly but surely. Any growth is good growth. Unless it's like a tumor or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, yeah, any closing words, Jordan, on this two-man chat, our first ever two-man podcast? Hey, baby, it's that fireside groove. Just keep on chilling, mofos. Oh, yeah, before we go, congratulations to LeBron James for bringing a championship to Cleveland. That city deserves it because Cleveland is one of the hardest-working cities <laughs> in the United States. So, True, Cleveland needs some love. Show. Yeah, shout-out to Cleveland. Ohio. Mm -hmm. Catch you guys next time.
Bye.